Good morning, good people. My name is Nikki, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from South Africa, Cambodia, and Niger, to name a few. Welcome to Season 4, where I'm teaching you how to recognize and avoid pyramid schemes, romance scams, predatory lending practices, and so much more. With nearly 35,000 downloads on the podcast, the Black Girl Budget community is growing, and I'm glad you're here. So our 30-day challenge is still going for the month of August, and we literally only have four days left. This month, our goal is simply tracking our spending. I'm not interested in how much you spend. The goal is to just see what we're spending. So even though we're at the end of the month, for this 30-day challenge, grab your Ultimate Budget Blueprint from the Black Girl Budget website and join us because next month I have another challenge for you. So remember, the Budget Blueprint is reusable and comes with three months of budgeting, spending trackers, and notes, and it performs all the calculations in your budget as you enter in your information. Now, before we jump into episode four, how about those student loans? Am I right? (laughs) If you haven't heard or are just genuinely disinterested in the student loan crisis happening in America, which is understandable, President Joe Biden is canceling some more student loan debt. Yes, I said some more because some has already been canceled before, which we'll talk about at a later time. (laughs) So I'll be posting updates as they come in on my Instagram and TikTok. So follow me there. But in the meantime, here's what we know so far. President Biden is canceling up to $10,000 for each borrower who has federal student loans, federal student loans. Private student loans are not eligible for debt cancellation under this plan. If you are a recipient of a Pell Grant, P-E-L-L, Pell Grant, you are eligible for debt cancellation of up to $20,000. I'll explain that in a second. Borrowers who earn less than $125,000 a year and household earnings Uh, households earning less than $250,000 a year are eligible for debt cancellation as well. This means if you file your taxes as a single individual, you are eligible for debt relief if you make less than $125,000. If you file jointly or if you are head of household and make less than $250,000, you are eligible for debt cancellation as well. This debt cancellation applies to loans that were taken out taken out before June 30th, 2022. And actually a better way to say that is it applies to loans that were taken out before July 1st, 2022. So loans going all the way through the end of June this year will count, but starting July 1st, no, they will not count. So please do not, do not go get a degree this fall or spring thinking that your loans will be canceled. This is not for future loans. Debt cancellation applies to undergrad loans, graduate loans, and trade school loans as long as they were federal loans. The American Rescue Act allows this debt cancellation to be tax-free, meaning it will not be considered as income that you have to pay taxes on, which is very, very important. Your relief is capped at your debt balance. So if you have 13000 in federal student loan debt, and you're eligible for $10,000 cancellation, your remaining balance will be $3,000. If you have $13,000 in federal student loan debt, and you're eligible for the $20,000 debt cancellation because you are a Pell Grant recipient, your $13,000 balance will be paid off in full. 
you will not receive a check in the mail for $7,000. So earlier when I said that you could receive up to $20,000 or up to $10,000, it's because if you have a debt that's less than the $10,000 or $20,000 you're eligible for, you're only going to get that maximum debt. They're not going to cut you a check. You won't get anything extra. They're just trying to cover that ten uh, that debt that you have if it's less than ten or less than twenty. Whatever you are eligible for will go directly to your servicer. So do not expect a check in the mail whatsoever. Of the forty three million student loan borrowers, eight million of us already have our income information submitted to our loan servicer and the Department of Education. There are thirty five million of us who do not have this information submitted, so please do not assume that your income information is submitted. I've already checked mine by logging into my FSA account. I went to federalstudentaid.gov, figured out my username and password because I have not logged in in years. I logged in and right there on my dashboard, it says how much I owe on my loans. Now, if you want to get detailed here, when I click on view details, I can see how many loans I have, the original amount of the loans I took out, and the current balance I owe on my loans. I click on view breakdown and it takes me to my loans directly. I click on view loans and I can see I have the repay payment plan, which tells me my income information has been submitted because I am on an income-driven repayment plan. If your income is submitted already, your cancellation should be automatic. Please, please, please make sure you check to confirm this. In the meantime, don't forget that student loan payments have been paused until January 1st, 2023. Now, the people are saying that this is the last extension as part of the deal on loan forgiveness. So we're going to be working that new payment into our budgets in January. So let's be prepared for that because it hits right after the holidays. Your income will be based on your latest tax return, although I did see some reporting that it will be based on either your 2020 tax return or your 2021 tax return. So I'll provide an update on that once I get confirmation either way. There were also changes to the income-driven uh, repayment plans. Originally, student loan payments were based on 10% of your discretionary income. So whatever you had left over after your rent slash mortgage and food was considered your discretionary income. And 10% of that had to go toward your student loans. But this rate is now going down to 5% of your discretionary income. So here's an example. Public school teacher making $44,000 a year will now pay $56 a month instead of $197 a month. That $197 is three and a half times more than what they'll pay now. So that's absolutely amazing. Because I personally, personally don't believe that teachers are getting paid what they should be getting paid. I just, I think teachers are taken for granted anyway that's a different soapbox that i'm not going to get on today um people with low income will have their interest covered by the government as long as they continue to make payments so their loan balance won't grow which is a huge issue i can't tell you how many people have told me that they owe more now than they did when they graduated 
If your balance is under $10,000 and you paid your loan faithfully for 10 years, the government will cancel the debt that is left. If you make the equivalent of $15 an hour as an individual, you will not have a loan payment because the government understands that you just don't make a lot of money. So your debt doesn't go away, but you won't have a payment yet. (laughs) Borrowers who are teachers, public servants, nurses, first responders, and or if you work for nonprofits, state, local, federal governments, or tribunals may be eligible to have all of their loans forgiven through the loan forgiveness program. If you were denied before, you can apply for loan forgiveness again, but you have to do it by October 31st of this year. So please don't sleep on this. Um, Now, I know y'all are like, Nikki, what's going to happen with future borrowers? So here we go. Like I said earlier, cancellation does not apply to future loans. But the Department of Education is reestablishing the enforcement unit at the Office of Federal Student Aid. I didn't know that was ever a thing, but they're doing it. Um, Its purpose is to hold the creditors accountable for predatory lending practices. The department has already withdrawn authorization from a creditor that oversaw schools with some of the worst for-profit scandals out there. This department is also going to publish an annual watch list with the programs that have the worst debt levels in the country. So students should review this list to avoid those programs. I'm not sure when they're going to publish that, if it's going to start in 2022 or 2023. But again, I'll give you an update once I find out. It has not been confirmed that Parent PLUS loans are included in this deal, but the Wall Street Journal is saying that, yes, it is, and they have good authority on that so i'll update you all once that's confirmed um if you've already paid off your loans uh you will not receive a check in the mail there's no retroactive retroactive checks coming um if your student loans are in default you have to apply for the fresh start program and arrange to start making payments you will have until december 30th 2023 to sign up for this program and if we get more information on that i'll provide an update as well all right I'm geeked for today's episode, but first, did you do your homework? Because last week I gave you homework, which was watch Bad Vegan and The Tender Swindler on Netflix so you could come back and give me your thoughts by commenting, DMing, whatever. If you didn't watch it, now you're gonna have, you're gonna have more homework this weekend, so I need y'all to go back and jump on that. Bad Vegan did start off slow and Like, by episode two, I was definitely in. But episode one, it was, it was so hard. Like, when they got to Alec Baldwin, I was just like, he, he better make a cameo appearance because what are we talking about? But trust me, it, it definitely gets wilder. By episodes three and four, my mouth was ajar. Okay? Bottom lip on the floor because what? I just, okay. I didn't know I had to, like, say this, and I don't think I have to say this for for the black girl budget community, but if someone promises you that they can make your dog and or you immortal, I'm going to go with red flag. I'm just, by default, I'm just going to say red flag. If somebody came up to me and was like, I I know how much you love your dog. I can make your dog immortal. I'm going to run, right? That's that's what I'm going to do. So, Check out Bad Vegan and comment, DM me, let me know what you guys thought of that. And then Tinder Swindler, you've probably already seen. It is a little older, but if you haven't seen it, check that out as well. So let's get into it because today we are talking about MLMs and pyramid schemes. But starting off strong, what is an MLM? 
I like I feel like a lot of us not most a lot of us are probably familiar but um let's just go through the basics MLM stands for multi-level marketing and it's a strategy used by some companies to sell products and or services now companies that use this strategy are often referred to as MLMs that's what I call them that company over there is an MLM (laughs) but the strategy itself is a sales strategy so multi-level marketing is a sales strategy and so what they do is they have the sales force and those are the people that are selling the goods and or services uh, those people have a financial incentive to recruit more salespeople and to sell the goods and services of the company so the sales force can earn money by selling the product directly to a consumer or they can earn it by selling products to new recruits so here's an example if they're selling it directly to a consumer, salesperson Chris sells four t-shirts to customer Devin. Salesperson Chris receives a commission on the sale. Direct, direct sale, right? Now, if they're doing, if they're selling it to a new recruit, it might look like this. Salesperson Chris sells new recruit Devin 20 boxes of product. Salesperson Chris gets a commission on the sale. But now, What's the difference between a multi-level marketing business and a pyramid scheme? Because there is a difference. (laughs) So we talked about pyramid schemes a little in one of the earlier episodes of this season, but let's do a little refresher. So pyramid schemes usually offer the opportunity to, quote, make money, end quote, by recruiting more people who will then recruit more people. So think of how a pyramid looks. The person at the tip top of the pyramid recruits two people. Then those two people each recruit two more people. Now those four people are each going to recruit two more people. At the top, we have one person who's just chilling, hanging out, collecting cash. The first, I'm going to call them generation of recruits, that generation has two people in it. The second generation has four people in it, and the third generation has eight people in it. As you can see, the pyramid grows with each new generation of recruits, and it grows exponentially. And so, I mean, honestly, still kind of sound the same, like, you know, what, like, what is the difference, right? (laughs) So, with an MLM, the focus is on selling the product. But with the pyramid scheme, the focus is on recruiting new people into the pyramid so mlms are actually legal which i honestly didn't know that until a couple of months ago that mlms are legal businesses um pyramid schemes are not though so let's figure out this distinction pyramid schemes can this is the kicker though is that pyramid schemes can look like legitimate mlms even though they're just pyramid schemes (laughs) so i know y'all like nikki It sounds easy enough, like figure out which company is focused on selling the product and figure out on, you know, figure out which company is focused on recruiting. But keep in mind that while some companies appear to be legit MLMs selling products, their products are actually useless. So they're a pyramid scheme in in disguise. Think about like weight loss or health products that don't actually do anything for you right so you're you know it might be like a powder substance or some kind of pill but it doesn't actually make you stronger smarter healthier lose weight or anything it's just 
It seems legit, but it's not. So let's dive into how this works. Like, and this is why it makes it a little harder to spot pyramid schemes because some of them, it, it looks like they're genuinely selling a product, but the product is, is nothing. It is nothingness. If you've ever been to MLM, please comment and let me know um, what was your experience and what did the person say to recruit you? What did you learn? What did you gain? Did you make money? Um, how did it ultimately end? Because I really do want to know these stories. I think knowing these stories can absolutely be beneficial, you know, for those of us who are either interested or who just are unaware of how MLMs work. So when someone is recruited into a MLM or a pyramid, they are called either a distributor, a member, a representative, a contractor, or a participant. They're like a gajillion names out there that they could be called. I've personally heard people refer to themselves and others as distributors, so I'll just call them distributors as like a catch-all term. Now, the person who recruits a distributor might be called a sponsor. Um, distributors start off by purchasing products that they plan to sell from their sponsor. So they're going to sell these products to consumers, might sell a product directly to a new recruit, and they're going to purchase it from their sponsor. Sometimes they will purchase it directly from the company. This is often referred to as an initial investment, and the cost can vary depending on the company that you are trying to work with. As I mentioned, there are a couple of ways to make money as a distributor. When distributors sell their products to customers directly, they might go live on their social media accounts to sell and promote products. And we've probably seen this on Facebook and Instagram. I don't know that MLMs and pyramid schemes have made their way to TikTok, but now I am very interested in finding out if they have. <laughs> um, some people will even have parties at their homes where they sell products. And then some people will go to a customer's home to sell products. And uh, as they're selling these products, they may also be selling an opportunity for other people to become a distributor with their same company. And what's crazy is I, I don't remember going to any MLM parties. Um, I do remember like... I remember passion parties. Were, were, wait a minute. Were passion parties in LA? I, do y'all remember passion parties? I don't know that I ever, I never bought anything from one, but I think I went to like one or two parties and they were, they were heavy. They were heavy during that time. Um, I think we were in college or maybe had graduated or something, but passion parties were a thing. Don't think I ever purchased anything. If I did, I probably wouldn't tell y'all anyway. So. But um, wait, I'm going to Google this. Or Pat, let me see. Um, our passion. I know y'all like, is she doing this while she's, in the, while she's in the middle of this episode? Yes, our passion parties MLMs. Let's see. Let's see what the internet has to say. <gasps> they were well I can't say they but at least this one company whose name I'm not going to mention because I haven't done any research <gasps> they were a multi-level marketing scheme OMG well you learn something new every day okay so I did go to MLM parties then <laughs> that's that's hilarious so needless to say these people are going to be selling their products, but they're also going to be selling the opportunity for others to become a distributor as well. Now, the people who decide, yes, I'll become a distributor, they're going to fall under that sponsor as a new distributor, but they're also called a downline. So they're going to be 
um, it's basically a network of distributors that they'll have. And as those new recruits go out and recruit others, those people will also fall under the sponsor as their downline, like just part of the network. So if, if you think about it, like this network, this downline can get really big. And what um, some of these sponsors will do is give their downline calls and have meetings and you know, team meetings, group stuff, and encourage their downline to basically sell more and recruit more. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not going to say any names, but I did, I, I do, I think I still follow her. There is someone on Instagram who I follow who was very big in an MLM. And I remember on her IG stories, she used to post pictures of like, pictures and videos of her using the product I personally never purchased any um, but she would show pictures and videos of her using the product she would talk about how good it was um, you know what the effects were and then she would also post like a link asking if people wanted to join her team um, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to be very careful so I don't say any names. Um, so she would post like, you know, if you want to join the team, here's the link. And people were joining. And I remember there were a couple of times where she would meet with her team, her downline, and she would take pictures of that and post it on her stories. And so it's like, well, I, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it in a second. But basically, it was it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I don't know how many people she had on her team, but um, I do remember that it just kind of fizzled out. Like, I just kind of didn't hear about it anymore. Um, I don't know if she's still doing it, but I know that that company that she was working for did have a lot of lawsuits going on. So that's a whole thing as well. We'll skip over that. So <laughs> let's talk about some uh, examples of actual MLMs and then I'm going to give you some examples of actual pyramid schemes so starting off we have Herbalife I remember Herbalife in law school and one of my classmates was selling it um yeah I, I like Herbalife doesn't seem that old to me um Mary Kay I, I just and these are all MLMs I'm not saying that these are pyramid schemes they're all MLMs um Mary Kay has been around since I was a child. I re I remember getting the samples of Mary Kay lipstick and running to my best friend's house and we would just have like a makeup party. Like, you know what, Mary Kay, bring back the lipstick samples is, is all I'm asking. <laughs> um, New Skin, and that's pronounced, uh, spelled N-U Skin. And then there's Amway and Forex MLMs. Now, I'm gonna give y'all a caveat on this one. I'm saying Forex MLMs, not Forex. So Forex is the foreign exchange market. That is something separate and distinct. But what some Forex groups are doing is operating like an MLM. So I'm not just saying the foreign exchange market. I'm saying the Forex trading groups that are operating like MLMs are MLMs. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a company called Monet. There's Paparazzi Jewelry. And let me just tell y'all, Paparazzi Jewelry has a choke hold. Okay, a choke hold. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't personally think Paparazzi Jewelry is cute to me, to me, because I do know people who, who love Paparazzi Jewelry and they purchase it and they wear it and it looks good on them. But Paparazzi Jewelry, another MLM, um, it works. Primerica and LuLaRoe. 
Now, I'm not even going to lie. I never even heard of LuLaRoe, and we'll get into the reason why. I never even heard of LuLaRoe until I watched the documentary Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. Ne- literally never heard that this was a thing that existed. So I'm giving y'all homework this weekend again. Y'all have to watch Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. That docuseries, it's, it's a small, short docuseries, and y'all, it took me out. I, I don't know how much I was screaming at the TV and then I was just shocked like y'all the homework is for y'all to watch that before next week's episode drops um I just I'm I have to bring this up so it's a mini docuseries about a company called Lula Row. not to be confused with what's the other one Lula Lemon something like that totally different company so the docuseries interviews distributors, graphic designers of the company, and the owners of the company during this documentary, and I highly recommend you guys watch it to see how MLMs affect people's finances and what goes on behind the scenes. Like I said, you can stream it on Amazon Prime. So LuLaRoe was founded in 2013 by Mark and Deanne Stidham. Stidham? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. And so the company's primary product was leggings like tights that we put on our legs these leggings were making the company not the distributor a lot of money billions billions with a b b as in black girl budget billions okay (laughs) but lularoe's timing was perfect though because it popped up during the girl boss era and that's what i was going to mention is that uh, this person i follow on instagram she also started doing this during the girl boss era. And so it was, it, it's so weird because it was this point in time where you had girl bosses. Everyone wanted to be a girl boss and we all wanted like the shirts that said girl boss and the pins. And like, I just, I remember seeing things on Instagram, like everything said girl boss at the time. Like we all used the hashtag girl boss and everything. But the timing was crazy because that's what everyone wanted. And so it was promoted that this was an opportunity to be a girl boss, to be an entrepreneur and a girl boss and to make your own money. So it's almost like when things pop up at the right time, they really can't take off. And that's what happened with LuLaRoe. So you have to watch the documentary. Now, in order to set up a business, and I'm using that term loosely in this context, in order to set up a, a business under LuLaRoe, prospective retailers, aka distributors, had to pay startup costs of at least $5,000 and up to $10,000 for clothing items that they would then try to sell to consumers while also recruiting new retailers, distributors. I think to join now, the cost has dropped to like $500 or something, but just know, I'm not going to spoil this four-part docuseries, but just know, I was shocked, honey. <laughs> like, I was shocked. Um, the owners of the company, I-, I felt like there were a few comedic parts in this docuseries, but the thing that was most shocking to me in this docuseries was the fact that it was a little culty. Like, like I, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, but it, it was a little culty is all I'm going to say. Um, so there were moments where I was like, I'm sorry, what did they just say? So, yeah, that's your homework. Your homework is to go watch Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. 
Now, let's talk about who these companies are targeting because each company targets a different group of people to become distributors and consumers. And when I say that they are targeting different groups, that includes different racial groups. Um, in the Lula Rich documentary, you can see how LuLaRoe was clearly targeting white women to be part of their company. And the Daily Beast wrote that LuLaRoe lured in religious middle class white women and stay at home mothers, particularly military wives and Mormon women in Utah. And I, I chuckled because apparently Utah is the state with the most MLMs per capita. Like, who knew? <laughs> so, so you have to keep in mind that LuLaRoe isn't the only company that targets specific groups of people. Herbalife, Mary Kay, Monet, Paparazzi, they're all doing the same thing to some capacity, right? In some capacity. <laughs> but the crazy part is that companies target black people and people of color with promises of financial freedom, generational wealth, entrepreneurship, etc. And these kind of tactics can be very effective on people of color because of the wealth gap lack of access to high-paying jobs, lack of access to higher education to obtain high-paying jobs, lack of access to financial institutions, and I'm not even going to get on the inherent racism in the application process. It might not be inherent, but there's racism in some application processes. So even during the pandemic, communities of color were hit hard with job loss, and that makes entrepreneurial opportunities look amazing god sent right but interestingly enough distributors in mlms don't actually make money according to the federal trade commission a report from the ftc shows that 99 percent of recruited distributors do not make money so while mlms are legal and legitimate when they start to make claims of lucrative money being made they become scams because the data clearly shows that distributors are not making money from this, but are oftentimes lured in with the prospect of financial freedom and wealth. In fact, last year, the FTC put businesses on notice that false quote, I'm quoting this, false claims of money making will lead to big penalties. This notice was sent to over 1100 companies like the FTC is not playing. And I think What's interesting is that even when, um, you know, this report says that a lot of people don't make money, we also have to remember that a lot of people simply lose money from these kind of endeavors. I'm not going to call it an opportunity necessarily, but these kind of endeavors. So let's talk about actual pyramid schemes, though, because when you think about it, and those companies that I mentioned that are MLMs, and remember, MLMs are legal, so... Just throwing that out there. I'm not saying any of these are, are scams. But Herbalife, Mary Kay, uh, New Skin, Amway, Monet, Paparazzi, it were like all those companies are selling some kind of product. Remember? They're selling some kind of product. And I don't know if they're personally focused on recruiting, but they have a product. They're selling a product. Now let's get into these pyramid schemes because you like you can quickly tell the difference. Um, with these pyramid schemes versus some that maybe are disguising themselves as MLM. So remember, pyramid schemes are illegal. They don't actually have a product. And you're probably familiar with these pyramid schemes because they were going around heavy during COVID. I mean, heavy, heavy. So the Flower Circle Pyramid Scheme was really big during 2020 and 2021. And I actually had a family member 
texted me back in July of 2020 and asked if I wanted to join. And they sent me a link to a YouTube video that explained the process in more detail. Now, the video has since been deleted from YouTube, but it was a woman explaining how the flower circle worked and why people should do it. Now, of course, I politely declined. I just said I wasn't interested. But then I had a friend who did get involved. And she even ended up putting her daughter on the flower to make up for someone who was supposed to join but didn't. So I don't remember all the terminology, but basically they would say like, oh, I'm going to put someone on the flower um, as like I'm recruiting someone. So she put her daughter on the flower. But keep in mind that her daughter was a minor who didn't have her own money. So my friend was essentially paying for herself and her daughter to be in this pyramid scheme unfortunately um now this scheme is also a well it was also a big deal in ireland during the same time and there are news articles in ireland warning people to avoid these kind of schemes because there could be quote further consequences now for my ireland listeners and yes the black girl budget podcast is an international podcast that has listeners in Ireland. (laughs) For my Ireland listeners, let me know if you joined or if you know anyone who joined this particular scheme between 2020 and 2021 because apparently this scheme was targeting people on Instagram as well as young people. So I'm curious to know like how that played out in Ireland and um, you know how it affected people within their finances. Now, this is how this works. So for the life of me, I can't find the specific names or levels for the flower circle scheme. But I just I remember my friend mentioning like fire and ice and different petals and stuff like that. But I'm going to use a different example so you guys get the gist. And this is like the airplane scheme. So the airplane game was a style of a pyramid scheme that was popular in the 1980s. In order to join an airplane a person had to pay a pilot to become one of the eight, quote, passengers. Now, passengers started four steps from being paid. So you start as a passenger, and then you move up three steps, and then that's when you get paid. There were also, quote, flight attendants on the plane who were a step ahead of the passengers. And then ahead of the flight attendants were two co-pilots, and then ahead of the co-pilots were the pilots. So once a pilot collected the money from the passengers, the group would then split into airplanes, (laughs) split into two separate airplanes with each co-pilot becoming the pilot of the new airplane, taking half the participants and promoting everyone to the next level. So starting from the bottom, we've got passengers, then we've got flight attendants, then we've got co-pilots, then we have a pilot. The pilot gets paid from the bottom row of passengers. Boom, pilot is out. The co-pilots are now flying their own plane and they have co-pilots under them because the flight attendants are promoted to co-pilots. Those passengers are now promoted to flight attendants and each of those flight attendants are going to get eight new passengers. That's So you can see like how the, the bottom row of passengers continues to grow and grow and grow. Now, um, mathematically, the structure of the scheme results in a participant losing their entire payment unless 14 new participants join in. So in order for you to become the pilot, 14 more people had to join into the scheme. For these schemes, 
there's a fee that you have to pay up front to join. And the amount differs depending on which group you join, like which scheme you join. So according to an article in the Dublin Live um, that's based in Ireland, the entry fee was 150 euros when this scam was popping off in 2020. 2021. Now, during the 80s in the U.S., the fees could be in the thousands just to get in. Then you'd have to bring in more people who would also pay this thousand plus dollar fee. In 2020 and 2021, it was the perfect storm to have these schemes resurface because there was COVID, lost jobs, nationwide shutdowns, stimulus checks, and my personal favorite, fear. And like I told you guys, Fear is a very strong emotion, but you may have heard of something called a susu. Now, these kind of scams that I've talked about are different from susus. Unlike a susu, these scams require each new participant to recruit two new people, and without providing them any services or products, they get a promise to turn their $100 into $800 if they take part and recruit more people. Now, if you do the math, you run out of humans that you would need to keep it going after about the 10th cycle or generation. And unless you're one of the early participants of the circle, how would you know as a new participant, like where you stand within the generations? And so the odds of you getting the big payout are likely impossible the longer the scheme goes on. So most pyramids or circles collapse because it's unattainable. Like, it's just not stable. There aren't enough people in the world. And not to mention, it's also illegal in the States. So um, another one is called the Blessing Loom. And uh, I think I also heard of the Blessing Circle, which I found to be interesting because it targeted um, religious groups, right? And like I said, th- these target certain people. So when you have the word blessing in it, you're targeting a certain demographic of people who now think that this pyramid scheme is a blessing to them. You're going to be blessed by taking your 100 and turning it into XYZ amount, right? And so I'm quoting this from Michelle Singletary of the Washington Post. This is what she wrote about the Blessing Loom scheme. Widely circulating in the Black community, the Blessing Loom is a new version of the chain letter pyramid scheme in which people are recruited and then encouraged to bring in others with assurances that they can all make three-digit returns in a matter of weeks, except the large payout is money collected from new recruits. There's no wealth building, only the shifting of money to people who got into the scheme earlier. Eventually, the enterprise collapses when not enough folks can be persuaded to join, which stops the flow of money. The scheme might be called a blessing loom or a susu. But the name doesn't matter. It's an illegal pyramid scheme that's stealing credibility from legitimate susus in which members aspire to help one another save for a specific purpose and nobody receives more money than they put in. This informal savings model is often utilized in communities where people can't easily get loans to fund a business or don't have access to traditional banks. And I actually have an episode coming up this season that goes into more detail about that that I'm very excited about. So stay tuned for that. Um, So I thought that was a really good way for Michelle to kind of lay out the difference because I remember people talking about, you know, well, how is it different from Susu's and why is one frowned upon, the other is not. And I think she laid it out incredibly. Um, I've not participated in a Susu. I can't say that I know anyone who has, but I do remember reading about it. And I, I remember people saying that it was 
um, more prominent in Caribbean cultures. All right, and of course, I cannot let y'all go without giving you some red flags. So here are the red flags from the FTC. Promoters make extravagant promises about your earnings potential. They may say you can change your life, quit your job, or even get rich by selling the company's products. Those promises are false. Promoters emphasize recruiting new distributors for your sales network as the real way to make money. Walk away. In a legitimate MLM program, you should be able to make money just by selling the product itself. You may even have to buy products before you're eligible to be paid or get certain bonuses. You also may have to pay repeated fees for other items like training sessions or expensive marketing materials. The company may say you can earn lavish rewards like prizes, bonuses, exotic vacations, and luxury cars. However, if, however, it often turns out that you have to meet certain product purchase, recruitment, training, or other goals to qualify for the rewards, and only a handful of distributors ever qualify. Promoters play on your emotions, red flag, or use high-pressure sales tactics, red flag. They might say you'll lose the opportunity if you don't act now and discourage you from taking time to study the company. Any company that tries to pressure you to join is one to avoid. And I've mentioned this before several times, aggression and urgency are major red flags. The FTC also says that often in a pyramid scheme, you'll be encouraged or even required to buy a certain amount of product at regular intervals, even if you already have more inventory than you can use or sell. The company does not offer refunds or to buy back inventory if a person decides to leave the company. This is actually one of my personal little red flags that I threw in here, um, as well as the company doesn't actually teach distributors proper accounting and tax paying methods. And the person who brought you into the company hasn't become as wealthy as they promised you will become. So sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you can make thousands of dollars in just a week. Great. Have you done that? I need you to show me. I need you to show me your accounting and your stats and and show me how you've made this much in a week. So again, I, you know, you got to see some examples. Okay. Um, so are MLMs and pyramid schemes worth it? Pyramid schemes obviously aren't because they're illegal. There's no real product or service being sold. They're an endless chain that mathematically results in the lat the latest person um, not getting money. And then they, listen, don't even get me started on people not paying taxes on the thousands of dollars that they are promised and or actually received. That's just a different, that's a whole different episode by itself. Um, I don't think MLMs are worth it either because statistically the distributors do not become profitable entrepreneurs who are creating personal, community, or generational wealth as promised. Um, in either case though, people are being sold a dream that I'm sure we all have, which is wealth, financial stability, financial freedom, and more. But MLMs and pyramid schemes are only benefiting a very, very, very select few. And we find ourselves in positions of needing a little extra cash or being scared of potential economic recession. And the presentation sounds good, but they're just not worth it. So if someone asks you to join an MLM or pyramid scheme that's pretending to be an MLM, ask a lot of questions. Look for those red flags and ask yourself, can I afford to lose this money? Now you do have homework. Again, your homework is to watch the Lula Rich documentary on Amazon Prime and 
and to create your budget for September before the first of the month so we can tell our money where to go before it tells us where it went. As we continue to move through this season, share this information with friends and family and save a budget. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel and the YouTube channel and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Black Girl Budget for more daily content. Thanks for joining the Black Girl Budget Podcast and I'll talk to you next week.